Do you have a favorite book? How about a favorite movie or TV show? Why? Is it because every chapter or every episode exhibits something dramatic, comical, or mysterious? Is it because you've become personally invested in the characters' fates or you want to laugh over their next inopportune calamity? Poor Wildy Coyote. Is it because maybe, just maybe this time, the ghostly intruder will actually be a real ghost and not just as meddling kids again? Now what if you could actually be featured in the next hit TV series, top-selling novel, or next Netflix rage? What if you could not only be featured, but you were also given the lead role? Just try not to get stage fright and barf on the set. Who would you want your character to be? What genre would you select? Would you want your audience to know the ending? Would you choose a predicative storyline or a plot twist? I'm here to tell you that you've already been selected for the gig and you got the part. The lead character and the narrator. The show is based off a true real-life nonfiction novel. It's titled, Your Life. My favorite quote is one of my own. It's that life is not a book to be read, but a story to be written and told. Every day we wake up is the next page of our novel. Every milestone we face is our next chapter. Every time we trip on that tree root, we have our audience chuckling in the comic relief. In my case, my audience is hysterical by now. Our lives are not predictable, and that's how they're designed. Filling our chapters with learning experiences, new encounters, ridiculous events, and changing dynamics is what gives our lives and our novels meaning. We are the writer of our own stories, and every day and every life event is one more piece of the plot. It's time to stop seeing our lives as a series of random events that we can't control, or books already written for us to fulfill the character roles. We are the authors, and every page that we write is a decision of our own. Every positive or negative thought we have is a foreshadow into a later chapter. Everything we face, both good and bad, is something that consolidates our sense of self and establishes our character. So don't be afraid to take risks, or fail, or do something bold, or fall. Well, maybe just wear knee pads under your jeans. Don't get caught up in external forces that don't fulfill you. Don't follow the main route just because you've never seen the scenic route detour. Don't be afraid to get lost. Just bring snacks in case you get hungry on the trail. Don't write the same page 28,835 times. Cherish all that life is and fill your novel with the story you want to tell. So pack your bag with knee pads, snacks, and barf bags because it's going to be one amazing wild trek. Or not. Let's get to writing. Maria Elena, and you are listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. I'm a travel-obsessed entrepreneur working from my home in Ohio to connect travelers from all over the world and to help you make your one days a reality and stop living for the weekend. I seek constant adventure while maintaining an outwardly appearing normal life with a husband, a cat, and a full-time job as a remote speech-language pathologist. I live a real-life accidental comedy show as seen through the eyes of my trusty Mount Zion purple windbreaker as I make my way around the world and live a life of the unordinary but not the extraordinary. 
Mahalo, Matinva, and Fiskir Ma. Okay, I just attempted to do one of those little trilly R sounds that I've never been able to do. It's like one more thing that like everybody can do and I just like randomly can't do. So I swear like the entire world population can make that trilly R sound. I, however, cannot. I've been trying for 32 years. Anyway, welcome back everybody to week 11 of Purple Hood Adventures podcast episode. If you're wondering what the heck I just said, I said hello, which is hollow, more of a ha versus a he, matin va, which is good morning, and fiskir ma, which is good afternoon and good evening. By the way, I um, wrote those down phonetically. How they're spelled is nothing like how it sounded on those YouTube videos I was just watching. And those greetings were for uh, the country of Scotland, by the way. So that's how you say uh, hello, good morning, and good afternoon or good evening in Gaelic. And no, I did not just say garlic, although that would be not too far off of a fair guess. I do have a bit of an obsession with garlic. Um, we will, uh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't be telling you guys this. But um, yeah, so I do like to eat it straight. My breath usually smells amazing. Um, my husband gets so mad at me. He'll be like upstairs and I'm like eating it at, like by the spoonful out of the jar and he's He's like, you you had garlic again, didn't you? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> so yeah, it's like one of those like obsessions I have, like as if you needed one more thing that proves that I am like the weirdest person on the planet. Oh, well, right. At least uh, my cholesterol will be doing good, right? Anyway, um, so I'm so happy to have everybody back here today. I want to give you guys a little visual here. I uh, First of all, I have a pretty bad cold. So if I sound really like stuffy and hyponasally, I'm always hyponasally. But especially today, um, that's why I've got this big box of tissues that I've already gone through. I got in trouble yesterday for my husband for going through way too many tissues. He's like, "We're going to be out of those before you even before we even get there." Like he just bought them like on the way to his parents' house, and I just could not stop blowing my nose. So I I'm going to sound a little stuffy today. Oh, well, right. Anyway, um, I'm. Oh, I also have one of those masks on my face, by the way. I should probably tell you guys this. Um, have you ever seen those little mud clay masks that you can buy in the packages? My husband and my dad, every time they see me wear this, they're like, oh, take that off. You look weird. But I swear it makes my skin feel really good. So I'm wearing it right now. It also makes me feel better with my sinuses. I don't know if that's just like a placebo thing, but yeah, it's like crumbling off into my phone. So my phone is like covered in these little dust particles, um, just to get, give you guys a visual. Also, my pinky is still in its little, um, little splint here. I'm still trying to avoid having too many crumbly snacks go underneath the surface of the tape. Uh, has not worked out so well, but I'm doing my best. I only have a few more days to have it on. Anyway, last week, if you listened last week, we talked about the different schools of the world and how we learn about the world and ourselves through uh, through our schools and through our culture. I thought that was a really important thing to emphasize, although today I want to talk about other ways to learn about the world. I'm going to talk about, I think, the best way to learn about the world, and that's just by being in it. The best kind of learning comes from you know doing things and experiencing things, and yes, that includes unpleasant 
events along with your happy memories. So I, I like to think of my life as a book, you know, when I'm having a tough time or something's going not my way or it's, that something's going wrong, I think to myself, you know what, this is going to be something that I have to talk about later. It's going to help me in the end somehow. And I don't always know about, I don't always know what's going to happen or why this is going to be good for me down the road, but it always seems to be the case. You know, if anyone knows me, I had a really traumatic experience when I first got out of grad school and I started at this like skilled nursing facility where I was like a, I was doing my fellowship year. Um, anyway, my mentor like hated me and it was this big ordeal. And anyway, I had to get another job somewhere and it was just horrible. It was like the worst thing ever at the time. And then I was so glad that it happened later. It was like, you know, I feel like sometimes things are just kind of meant to happen. So I like to think of everything now as either a learning lesson or something that will contribute to our benefit down the road. Um, and I like to, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm watching myself like in a movie. Sometimes like I'll be at a coffee shop and I'll see like something weird weird happen, like, or I'll see some really random events and I'll think to myself, oh, the things I see, like sometimes I really do. Sometimes I want to just like put into a movie, like a vision, like a perspective coming from my own eyeballs. Like I wish I could just like show everybody what I see and encounter on a daily basis. And it just makes me enjoy my life that much more. Um, and you know, it's, it's pretty important to, to be able to laugh at yourself. So, you know, although I don't mean like, uh, try to try not to cry when you like fall down the uh, this little slope of rocks that happened to me last week, by the way, I like fell and like tore up my elbows while I was hiking and actually I'm going hiking again today. So I'm going to really try not to do that. But uh, if I do, I guess I'll have a good story to tell later. Right. Um, but yeah, but last week these people saw me and I'm like, Oh, ha ha ha. And meanwhile, I'm like tearing up like, Oh, horrible. Oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> so that was like my story anyway. Um, yeah, I just, I really want to emphasize how much of life events, um, contribute to our sense of and our understanding of the world. No, 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 man, stop, stop. What? Put it back. I'm trying to put, eat put, garlic. Put, put, put it back, put it back. By the way, I learned something new this weekend, and that is that my favorite potent bulbed plant is nature's natural decongestant. Actually, eating that garlic helps. Good. I need to eat some more. Please stop. Yeah, I can smell the peppers. I can smell the peppers. Oh, boy, come back, birds. I can smell the peppers. Wow! Oh boy, turns. <laughs> oh boy. I can actually sm I can smell and I can taste all of a sudden. The garlic, that's what did me in. Oh boy. I have to eat more garlic. Oh yes, so if you haven't been able to smell or taste for an entire day, apparently eating garlic is the solution. If you like garlic as much as I do, a good time to eat it would be when you're sick, like me. Anyway, everyone, today I'm going to interview my last interviewee of season one here at Purple Head Adventures. I'm going to interview a, a woman named Sophie. Now, Sophie is a member of my Cleveland meetup group here. And the reason I chose to interview Sophie is because she has some incredible stories. She's not afraid to follow her passions and follow her dreams and put herself out there and take life by the minute. And, you know, she's not afraid to be random and to follow her intuition and I really admire her, and I think she has some incredible stories to talk about today, so I really wanted to talk with her. 
Also, I, uh, I, you'll find out that she likes Scotland a lot, so that's why I chose to talk about how to say hello in Scottish this week. So anyway, um, I also decided to interview Sophie at Panera Bread. Now, if anybody knows me, Panera Bread is like my favorite place to go and work on my business. First of all, they have amazing teas and like free lemons. No joke. I actually wrote a whole blog about that once. Um, but beside from that, I feel like it's a perfect balance of a stimulating environment as well as someplace I can focus. And I, I like swear that everybody that goes to Panera has these like in-depth, like weird conversations. I kid you not. Um, I can just hear just conversation after conversation. And it sort of helps me live that real life story that I talked about. Like it helps to stimulate my creativity when I'm working on blogging or, um, you know, it helps me get me thinking about the world and it helps me observe my surroundings. And being able to do that is a very critical part of being able to create and write and think about your life like a book, um, just, you know, observing your surroundings like that. So Panera has always been one of my favorites. Plus, it's quiet enough for me to be able to focus. So Today I interview her at Panera, and actually we were the weird ones this time. Um, like she's talking about travel stories into my phone. Meanwhile, there's this girl like sitting next to us, studying, like watching us. Like it was hilarious. But um, yeah, we got to be those people today. So um, yeah, so we're gonna talk to Sophie, and uh, I'm gonna play a little game here. We're gonna play catchphrase at the end. Um, of course, I'd play a game, right? I would never leave you without such. And uh, I will take little breaks here and there to talk about some basic rules of thumb for traveling and allowing life to happen in a purposeful and beneficial way. So, um, and I will share some of my own stories that sort of relate to what she talks about as well. So, okay, everyone. So as I always say, without further ado, I will see you with Sophie. All right, everyone, I'm here with Sophie. I will let her introduce herself and tell you all a little bit about herself. Good morning. Uh, my name is Sophie Pace. I was born Carol Vaca and in 2009 as I discovered um, that I wanted to honor my mother. I changed my name to Sophie and um, her middle name was Sophie and um, Pace is from her last name, Patricelli. So anyway, that's a, I'm saying that because there might be somebody out there that don't know, doesn't know me as Sophie, and maybe I can, we can drum up some people from my past life yeah. who know me as Carol. So um, I'm um, a local Ohioan. I grew up in Parma Heights and um, have, a have grown sons and grandchildren. Um, I stayed in Cleveland about 22 years, was married, and then we got transferred to Indianapolis where I raised my sons, Nathan and Austin. And in 91, I came back to Cleveland and then um, reconnected with friends. Uh, when I was in Indianapolis, I worked for Ford Motor and for a publishing company. Uh, my degree from Bowling Green is in journalism and PR. And uh, then when I came back to Cleveland, I started uh, using the metaphysical studies that I had done when I was in Indianapolis to um, further my interests. I'm also an artist and an author and a self-publisher. So my art and my writing has always been behind 
and supporting my other jobs. Um, I've never done that full-time, mostly by commission as far as my artwork goes. And, um, and so now I, uh, I get to play a lot, <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> with my girlfriends who I call my posse. There's four of us. I'm not sure they call themselves my posse, but I oh, call them my posse. It's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. <laughs> yeah, and they love to travel too, so we've done a lot of that together. Nice. And um, so that's it. That's kind of who I am. Yes, yeah, Sophie is very interesting. She has a lot of stories to tell here. So actually, Sophie has done a, quite a bit of traveling, I should say. And um, Sophie, can you tell everybody what uh, your favorite place has been and you know why you liked it so much? What was your favorite place that you've been? My my most favorite, gee, this is hard to pin down. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, um, I think my most favorite place is Scotland. Um, I feel very connected there, even though my heritage is Italian. But as I've done lots of research, I've found they're very connected, mm-hmm. um, especially indigenously. The northern part of Scotland, the, where the Orkney Islands are, have had a lot of Italian influence that goes, and it goes back farther to the Romans who came to conquer the the indigenous Scots. Um, so I've been to Scotland more than anywhere else. I've probably been there five times, mm-hmm. I think five, and I'm going back in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually start in Glasgow, and then I go to Inverness, and then I go to the area where Findhorn is. I thought Findhorn was in England, but it's actually on the North Sea in Scotland, oh. um, near a little town called Forres, F-O-R-R-E-S. Um, I, loved, I loved parts of Italy, um, what was your favorite part of Italy? Um, where my family is, there's a little town outside Pescara. Pescara is a fishing village, used to be a fishing village on the east coast. And this little tiny town called Piccinello hmm. uh, is where my family is from. This is my mother's father. Mm-hmm. And I still have cousins and aunts and uncles there. And... Um, What's really cool is when I was a kid and would go through my grandmother's photo albums, there was one picture that caught my eye because there were young 20-somethings. You could tell they were probably newly married, wearing their aprons, they had their motorcycles, and they were building this house. Well, when I went to Scotland, I mean, when I went to Italy, that house is now done, and I stayed in it, and it's on the street where my grandfather's house was. I got to see the home he was raised in. It has a rounded ceiling in the... um, in the kitchen is so cool and in the background of this house that i couldn't see in the picture are the alpenine mountains oh wow oh in this this glorious range of um rosemary trees like bushes and bushes and bushes of rosemary trees so that's behind the house in the front are all these olive trees and groves and and rolling meadows and little tractors you know it's it was just great sounds so picturesque like a dream it was it was it's just what you see in all the paintings and pictures and books and yeah it's just like that 
Ah, wonderful. I'm just picturing that in my mind right now in Scotland. I have not been to Scotland, although I did go to grad school at Edinburgh University, not in Scotland, but in Pennsylvania. So I was a fighting Scot, technically. (laughs) I was just near there. Were you really? We went to Erie, to the monastery, and it's right, and then we went to Edinburgh, uh, to the Unity Church there. Oh, crazy. Yeah, that's that's where I got my uh, master's degree. That's crazy. We have lots of connections. I know. Who knew, right? You always always meet new people, and you find these things up. So it's kind of our point. All right. Um, so you said that uh, Scotland's next on your travel, obviously your travel destination. Um, anywhere else that's on your like major bucket list that you really would like to visit in the future, something that you um, really desire that you haven't been to yet besides Scotland? Uh, <laughs> yes. And that is, um, I have been intrigued by Morocco and Spain, a little put off by the temperature. I'm a cool weather person. Oh, I'm a hot weather person. (laughs) There's one difference. I guess I have to find out when when the best time to go is. Um, The Grand Canyon, excuse me, in the States, I really, really want to go to the Grand Canyon. I really feel called to do that. And somewhere I want to swim with the dolphins. I I don't know if that'll be Hawaii or somewhere else but yeah yeah. I think there's a lot of places you can do that I've seen that all over I have tours that I I know they're everywhere all over the world I think yeah so um country-wise I'd love to go to Japan me too yeah (laughs) that's that would be the first time for anything other than European or you know any uh, Middle Eastern I haven't gone anywhere Middle Eastern either um yeah Japan would be cool very cool. Oh, yes. No place I wouldn't want to go. I, I'm just going to hide in your suitcase. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Um, how about uh, like travel stories? Do you have any? I, I know you have a lot. Mm-hmm. So basically, Sophie here has, she's like a, she's a walking book of travel stories, I think. So do you have any, any good travel stories you'd like to share? Like one or two ones that really stick out and, um, you know, what made them memorable to you? Mm-hmm. Um, what, the first time I went to uh, to Scotland, I landed in Glasgow, and I um, was staying in the hostels because I can stay longer if I watch my budget that way. So while I was in Glasgow and in this lovely little um, hostel, it wasn't little; it was big. It was in a big old, glorious house, mansion kind of, by one of the museums there. Anyway, um, I was sitting in the living room and started to talk to someone who was talking about how he had been someplace where you can go and stay and work, and uh, they didn't have any. He had found this place, and they didn't have any work for him. But he was talking about how they were so nice and treated him to pie and all this stuff. So anyway, the more I talked to him, he explained about this organization that you all need to hear about called the Worldwide Organization of Organic Farming. I think I've heard of that, but yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, almost every country. It's like woof, right? Yes, you become a woofer because Mm W-O-O-F. So I've been a woofer because of finding out that um, about, you know, having that conversation. And that really changed the way that I could travel. Yeah. So I've woofed at several different places in, um, in Scotland uh, and made really good friends with one family. And that's where I am um, planning to go in May of next year. Um, they've had some things happen with their farm, um, so uh, I can't determine yet when I'm going. But that was very, very valuable because then I know I could 
I mean, if I wanted to go to Japan and woof, I probably couldn't. I never thought about that till this yeah, moment. Yeah. But yes, that that was way way a good thing. Yeah, I remember actually we a couple weeks ago we talked about doing um, like backpacking jobs and woofing mm-hmm. is definitely one of them. I don't think I even mentioned that one, but yeah, that's a mm-hmm. huge one. I know. Mm-hmm. So, what about that story? Um, she was actually just telling me about the the pins on the map. Um, where oh, you? Yeah. yeah, tell everybody about that one. Yeah, this is a this is a a local story, uh, an Ohio story. Um, a friend of mine and I decided we wanted to go somewhere. We'd been traveling locally together a lot, so we just we took a map one day and said we'll pick an we'll pick a letter and a number. This is when paper maps is how you travel. I'm all about paper yeah. maps. <laughs> okay, so this is before cell phones and GPS and all that. Really, before cell phones and GPS and all that stuff. So. Um, so he picked a letter and I picked a number, and where they met is where we drove. I think we drove about two and a half hours and ended up, I don't remember the city, but we ended up in a, in a um, parking lot of a small industrial uh, business. And um, so we wrote little notes, uh, little nice notes, and put them in <laughs> under people's uh, um, uh, windshield washers and then just left and you know went and had lunch or who knows what we did but yeah so that was one way that we um what'd you say like we're here on this total whim have a nice day that exactly <laughs> that's exactly what we did we told them how and why we ended up putting something under their windshield washer and uh, and so who knows maybe somebody else tried that but it was that's so time. cool yeah. i'm a strong believer in that like you know one thing it's like the domino effect like who knows maybe those people got that in their head and they had this life-changing experience doing that you know you never really know you just got to try everything i think How cool is that? Okay, rule number one of letting life happen, and that is allowing randomness and spontaneity. That is what I live by. I'm the most random person you'll probably ever hear from. Um, Spontaneity, I love to be spontaneous for anybody that knows me. Um, There once was a point where uh, I was out with some friends in Columbus, and we were talking about going to St. Patrick's Day in Chicago for the first time. Well, we decided on a whim at 2 a.m. that we were going to just hop in the car and drive overnight and surprise a friend of ours there. And that's what we did. We just, and at the time, you know, I had to work on Monday, but it was, you know, Friday or Saturday. I don't even remember which day it was, but we hopped in the car and, you know, drove all that way. And I think it was about five hours or so and got there in the morning. I felt like death the next day after not sleeping all night, but I definitely have some amazing memories later, right? You can always sleep later, right? Anyway, that was my first random story. My second random story and spontaneity story is when, it's actually last year, Um, My husband and I love this Mexican place called Don Pablo's. Apparently, they shut down every location in the entire U.S. except for one in Deptford, New Jersey. And uh, we had gone out to a play with uh, his parents the night before. It was probably midnight. And I said, man, can we just go to Deptford, New Jersey? It was like a 10-hour drive or something weird like that. And... Uh, we decided to rent a car the next day and just drive to Deptford, New Jersey to get 
Don Pablo's Mexican food. No joke. This was like a weekend trip that we just like spontaneously decided to do on like a Saturday morning. Again, I was exhausted, but that's totally okay. There's plenty of time for sleep later. We got to have one last go at Don Pablo's before they close the entire chain for good. And if anyone knows, that's sort of like the staple of like how we got together. We both liked Don Pablo's. That was like one of our big things when we first met. So we were able to get to the one last location before they closed entirely. If anyone remembers Don Pablo's, that's where the last one was. Anyway, uh, back to Sophie. Um, how about, okay, I'm the queen of mishaps, as you see with my pinky finger here. (laughs) Um, do you have any, um, you know, terrible at the time, but hilarious to tell later stories, like learning lesson stories? Yes. I I have two that always stick out that I tell people about when I travel. Um, one was about spending a very cold night standing in a, uh, red telephone booth in London because I had an early morning flight and didn't know that in London this particular bus station was not open all night. Most of them are, you know, and so I just made the assumption that, okay, I um, I was heading to Heathrow in the morning, but I had to take a bus to get there. Mm-hmm. And um, so there I was in this, it was a posh neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know much about where I was. And I had been to the library, and my deal was I was going to go from the library to the uh, bus station and then just wait until my very early morning bus to the airport. So when the, I realized that wasn't going to happen, I, I took my suitcase and went into this really fancy hotel and wandered around for a while and sat and read for a while. But I couldn't do that all night, and the rooms were, like, atrociously oh expensive and, and wasn't in my budget at that moment. So um, my only option was, by this time, it was probably three in the morning, something like that. So fortunately, what I found was a little, like, a telephone booth, and I just stood there and... And I couldn't even sit on my suitcase because I was heavier than the suitcase oh, would no. allow. So I just stood there, and I remember my mom was always nervous when I traveled. And, and I thought, oh, this is one of those things that mom was not going to want to hear about. <laughs> but I recorded it. And don't you know, when I went home and I was playing stuff for my family, it came up, and she goes, that's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's what I worry about. Yeah. And I just said, you know, Mom, it happens. I'm here. I'm in one uh-huh. piece. And then the other thing was um, the other thing was when I was in Greece, uh, I had the intuition that I was on the wrong bus. Uh-oh. Yeah. And the bus was filled. The bus was uh, running. Uh, but I just knew something was wrong. And I don't speak Greek and um, had no sense of... I just knew something was up. So I showed my ticket to the bus uh, driver who, yes, confirmed that I did not, I was not supposed to be on the bus. I was traveling with a harp. It's a healing harp. It's an auto harp. And it was under the bus in the, in the, uh, uh, luggage compartment. Yeah, Yeah. The luggage compartment. So I could tell he was anxious to go. He was kind of, you know, uh, exasperated that I was holding up the program. So um, I got off the bus, didn't see him, but I saw that he opened the luggage compartment, and my harp was way at the back. Mm. 
of course, so, right? <laughs> yeah. So I made the mistake of leaving my purse on the um, on the sidewalk and getting oh. in the bus to get this harp, which was only a few seconds. But as I got in, he closed the door behind me. So I'm in the luggage compartment. No way. Yeah. Well, he wasn't standing. He didn't see no. you? Like a, I, no, I don't think he would have done it. And your purse was on the side yeah. of the road. Oh, All gosh. of my, my passport, my money, everything on the sidewalk. I'm in the luggage compartment. It's dark. And I don't know where the bus, I don't know where this bus is going. I don't know how long it could possibly be on the road. So the only thing I thought of is you need to start letting them know that there's someone under here. Start thumping on the roof. And that's exactly what I did. The only thing I knew to do was start kicking like a mule. And thank God the bus was full because people heard it. And it seemed like forever, but before long, the the door opened and I had my harp and I got out and I was so got that I didn't know whether I should laugh or cry first. I, I was How numb. about both at the same time? I was numb. I, I just was numb. I couldn't do anything. And thank God my purse was still there and I know I was shaken. And I went in the bus terminal and um, you know, got the right ticket. But it, it took me a while to settle. And I know I was going to go on to Delphi from there. But I thought, you know what? I only have a couple days in Greece. Uh, it's not been, the hostel wasn't a good one. It's not been a good experience so far. I, I'm going back to Italy. So I left. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. the scariest story. Wow, that sounds That's like something that would story. Yeah, that sounds like something that would happen to me. Now I know we're like kindred spirits. <laughs> That's crazy. Let's talk about rule of thumb number two, and that is that you should trust your instincts, but also the world. I actually have one of my own bus stories. I didn't get locked in a compartment, but what happened to me was I was supposed to take an overnight bus from Phnom Penh to Siem Reap. This was actually back in June of this year, and uh, it was like about 11.15 at night. In my mind, there was a little cafe, coffee shop I could just wait in, but apparently that was not open at that hour, so I'm by myself. There's not a single other person around that's you know to be boarding this bus and I'm thinking to myself this isn't a good sign it's like a really you know abandoned little like alleyway by where the bus station was and there was like nobody there I had like all my bags I started to get like a, a really bad vibe and you know on top of it I'd been warned that Phnom Penh is not the safest city so you know, I'm trying to like, you know, cool it. And, you know, I can't look up anything because my phone doesn't work. And uh, there's this tuk-tuk driver in the parking lot. Okay. Tuk-tuks are how you get around. They're like kind of like taxis, but they're like these open and open little carriages like attached to like these motorcycle type things. Anyway, it's called a tuk-tuk. Anyway, uh, this tuk-tuk driver wouldn't leave me alone. So he didn't speak English at all, but all he kept saying was, you know, bus, like night market, night market. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. I, you know, I told him like, no, no night market, bus, you you know, I got, I got to wait for the bus. Um, and he just like, wouldn't leave me alone. You know, he just kept saying night market over and over again. And I thought he just wanted me to go to the night market so I could pay him. And I kept telling him, no, no night market. Like, you know, I need to wait for the bus. Well, it got later and later and suddenly it's like 1120. There's still nobody around. I'm getting really worried at this point. And, uh, I remember he was like calling somebody on the phone. Nobody was answering. Finally, somebody did answer. And I started, I started talking to this woman and, 
who she didn't speak any English either, but she was saying the same thing, like night market. And I'm like, night market? I'm like, well, she was trying to tell me that the bus was at the night market. I'm like, why? Why bus at night market? And she couldn't answer. I tried to ask who I was talking to. She had no idea what I was asking, so I had no idea. I heard like laughing in the background. I just had a really terrible vibe. And I just did not want to go with this guy. Well, I suddenly had this epiphany. I remembered earlier in the night, I actually was at a different night market. And I remember being really annoyed at the time because I couldn't cross the street because like three of these Mekong Express buses were like lining up and they like were cutting me off and I couldn't cross the street. And I was really annoyed at the time, but I'd forgotten about that entirely. But suddenly it dawned on me. I remembered that happening and I'm like, oh my God, I think this guy might be telling the truth. And at that point I had no choice but to trust him so I hopped in the tuk-tuk and he took me to this random like side street like kind of near like a different night market there's like a billion night markets there by the way and uh, I'm thinking to myself no way would I have ever gotten there if it had not been for this tuk-tuk driver he was telling the truth I felt really bad I actually like ran onto the bus that was like trying to get my tickets in order and like he was already gone I forgot to pay him like I felt so bad but like you know you have to you have to have a good sense of both trusting and also trusting your instincts so Um, that was one of my stories, um, here he was trying to help me. So that was, I did actually make it like right on time. So that was my bus story of the year. All right. So yes, trust your instincts and also the world back to Sophie. Going along with that, um, I'm sort of a strong believer that, you know, travel experiences are really the only thing that we can buy that make us richer. And I feel like, you know, a lot of traveling can sort of contribute to your overall perception of the world and your sense of self and kind of like it can be, you know, boost your self-confidence. Do you think that, you know, with traveling and experiences like that comes self-confidence and just um, your development of your perception of the world? For sure. And I didn't realize how ingrained in my DNA travel is. Um, my mom always used to say when someone wanted to go, I was ready to go with them. And and that's like somebody saying you've been um, a talker since you were a kid or you've been a late sleeper since you were a kid. It, I didn't realize that that's just who I am until I've until I probably got to Scotland the second time. Um, Even in France, I felt, oh, like I'm home. But I think it wasn't about being home. It was about being able to swap cultures. And um, my essence comes out. I'm the most me when I travel. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I could travel for a long time. I kind of like forget everything that's back in the States. And um, a lot of things have gone on while I've been traveling, but uh, it's it's been soul-supporting and soul-enriching and gives me things to talk to people about when I come back. And, and while I'm there, I mean, people want to know about back here in the mm-hmm. States. So absolutely, absolutely. I've gained a lot of confidence and feel, and feel the most comfortable when I'm on the road and, yeah. and doing that. Yeah, for sure. And you start, another thing is, is you sort of figure out who you are without the presence of your daily routine and people that you know, you're just out in the world and you get to know yourself a little better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you all, like you said, you always have those interesting topics of conversation. You never run out of them, right? Right. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of travel? Like, you know, is it solo? Is it with friends, with groups, um, you know, in nature? Like, what is your favorite type of travel? 
Uh, I don't mind short trips with other people, but long trips I really like to do solo. Um, I, rec- I have gone um, to Scotland with a couple of girlfriends, um, but our budgets were not the same. Our tastes were not the same, and we compromised in order for everyone to enjoy themselves, but I felt limited. Mm-hmm. and But I was willing to do that, to spend that two weeks with them. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to travel for any length of time, like going to Scotland in May, I definitely want to go by myself. And, and I would prefer, yeah, I prefer traveling alone. And I prefer not going on tours. Mm-hmm. I know that you can learn a lot, but I don't want to be that rushed. I don't want to be that corralled. Um, I would rather, um, I'm a person who at a party would rather meet one person and find them and learn about them really well. So it's the same as when I travel. I'd rather find one person that may become a lifetime friend, mm-hmm. you know, in another country than meet a whole bunch of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I like to do. That's yeah. that's worked for me. Oh yes. I have lots of stories about that too. Just meeting people especially when you're solo, it's it's almost like people are drawn to you. They yeah. you know, locals want to talk to you. Like I remember once in Australia, some guy this guy that I, I actually did go on a tour, but the tour guide invited me over to his house for dinner. He's like, Oh, you wanna come over for dinner? And it was like mm-hmm. super nice. Like, you know, they just you know, people just want are drawn to you, they wanna like chat with yeah. you and Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, I have to tell you, that reminds me when I was in France and I was in was it Nice or Paris? I can't remember. Can't remember which. But anyway, I was in um, I was in the bus station. I think it was the bus station because it's been ages. It's been 40 years. Anyway, when I was in France and I was in the bus station, I could see down this long corridor there was all this color on the wall. And as an artist, that attracted me. So I walked down there, and there was an older man, very French-looking, scarf around his neck, beret on his head, pipe in his mouth, and he was painting on the wall. And um, I, I speak enough French to say thank you and please and, you know, can I have a baguette? And... Um, but it, we created this communication between us. His name was Daniel Shanazi, and he was painting a mural on the wall. Uh, and he was a very famous French artist, I came to learn. He was a cubist and followed Picasso a lot. Anyway, he ended up inviting me home with him that night. I, I went to his studio first, saw his studio, then went to his home for dinner, met his wife, and um, we spoke everything, we threw everything into the conversation, Pig Latin and <laughs> Spanish and French and anything we could think of. Uh, he, was, he was Jewish, and um, I learned a lot about uh, his culture. He, they lived in this apartment building that from the outside, you would have no idea that A, it was that big inside. Mm-hmm. It was grand. I mean, it was grand. Tiny little kitchen, and I forget what his wife made. But, um, yeah, that was my probably my first uh, spontaneous meet, a, you know, meet someone and make a connection. And I know I really thought, oh, if this is what travel is about, this is going to be I really, love it. This is going to be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel. I don't think Daniel's still around, but it was, yeah, it was very cool. Oh, I love that. I love meeting locals and just, like, going off on a whim and just being like, oh, let me teach me about where we are. I don't know. It's just, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. 
All right, let's talk about rule number three, and that is to meet locals, but to trust also with reason. So it's, you know, a lot of people get afraid to speak to people that are, they don't know, you know, we, we were brought up to not speak to strangers our entire lives, but sometimes locals, you know, they do just want to meet you and it's okay to let them in sometimes, you know, trust them if your instincts tell you it's okay to trust them. Um, you know, don't be afraid to take risks or to meet people. Um, you know, not everybody's bad. Obviously some people are, but you know, really trust your gut and, um, you know, things will be okay. Uh, I remember that, um, when I was in Cooper PD, uh, Australia, it was this little miners town. I was at a restaurant by myself and this older couple, they actually saw me eating by myself and they invited me over to their table. And, um, Apparently, uh, they said that, you know, most tourists don't really get to see the underground area because, you know, a lot of people live underground there. That's one of the reasons I was intrigued and I wanted to stop there for the night. And uh, you can't really see that as a tourist. You have to go, you have to know somebody to be able to go into a house and see how people actually live. They live underground, so you know, to avoid the, the extreme temperatures. But the couple was really friendly to me. They invited me back to their house so I could see their their underground house. And so, you know, I said, okay. And, you know, they seemed very trustworthy. They they brought me back and um, I remember they just like showed me around their house I like hung out with them in their living room they were actually from the UK and they mined opals I think they were pretty well off but uh, I remember the husband was showing me um, his little hole in the wall he's like yeah I'm digging my wife a closet like I was like so cool you know but I I never would have been able to see any of that had I not trusted those locals and started talking to random people that are are around me that's one of the main reasons I love solo traveling is because it opens up such a world of talking to people that you would never otherwise talk to So, um... I remember they like knew people in town. They told me to tell the hostel owner that I was staying at to tell them, tell them I said hi or tell them they said hi. Like apparently they knew a bunch of people. So I think they were pretty well off, but they were just a really sweet couple. Um, So, you know, that's not the only time I've trusted a local and gone to their house to hang out. So, you know, definitely trust and reason. I've, you know, I've said no sometimes, but you know, if I feel that it's, um, you know, something that could really help me and benefit my life, um, I say yes. And You know, I think it's important to remember to say yes and don't always get caught up on what, you know, the media tells you about things and, you know, don't get caught up in fear. That's my, my main point of this. So, okay, everyone, back to Sophie. Sophie, um, I'm very excited to have you as part of our group here in Cleveland, our Purple Head Adventures group. It's kind of exactly why I created it is to have our members share their stories and, you know, anything about their lives and help get that out there. And, um, you know, do you have any last bits of advice or stories or anything we forgot to talk about that maybe our listeners would like to hear? Hmm. Covered a lot. Yeah, I'll tell you one more little one more little story about Nice, and um, and my words of wisdom are um, lead with love, I guess wherever you are. Uh, there are lots of um, lots of lang- there's lots of language out there about this country is da- dangerous and this place is the people here aren't friendly and media um, yeah take that out of your head mm-hmm. uh, if your heart calls for you to go just lead with love and. Um, the last little story I'll tell you is from uh, the beach in Nice. Uh, it's stony, um, and I uh, and there were lots of people out that day. In uh, and there was a mom with two little boys, and they re- I'm sure they reminded me of my two. They were probably seven and eight, maybe a little younger. And uh, I had been. Um, 
painting on the beach, and I had some gold paint with me, and these little guys were collecting stones. And so I collected some stones, and I painted them gold, and I... Um, when they weren't looking, I put them close to where they were and wrote, I think I wrote little words on them like peace and love and that kind of stuff and put them so that they would find them. And when they did, it was so cute to watch these little kids bring them back to their mom, you know, and I could just, they were French, so I didn't know what they were saying, but you can just imagine these little kids finding these gold rocks on the yeah. beach. Yeah, and that was, that, that was a fun story. That's a fun memory. Aw, yeah. so many memories. That's like, you know, you just work on writing that book of your life, right? Always say yes to. I think that's the important thing is say yes to yourself. Just make that first step, too. Yeah. And and follow your intuition. Follow your intuition, yeah. yes. You know, if you have tickets to somewhere or whatever, but your intuition says this is not safe or no, uh, lead with love and follow your intuition. Yes, especially if you're in the bottom of a dark bus. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, Sophie. Well, thank you for talking with us today. Um, We're actually going to do, of course, drumroll a game. And don't worry, guys. It's a completely different one this time. We're going to play a little catchphrase. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to think of, we have three different categories. One is going to be famous cities around the world. Okay. The second one will be things you might bring on a plane. And the third one will be things that you might find in an airport. Okay. Now, I didn't want this to be too hard or too easy. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But um, I've asked Sophie here to think of one thing in each of these groups. And I have one for her in each of these groups. And we're each going to be given three words to be able to describe what that is. Okay. Just three words. No taboo words. But, you know, there's only going to be three words. So the other person has to guess what it is so all right do you think do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first all right go ahead yeah. so the first one will be famous cities so three words okay um uh scotland oh you want me to all the all oh well words? well think of three time. three words that i'm supposed to guess yeah mm-hmm. well i'm supposed to guess what the city is i'll give you the three the three clues mm-hmm. okay scotland bridge Religion. Is it Edinburgh? No. No. Glasgow. No. No. Um. Uh oh. <laughs> north of north. Oh. Hmm. I don't know that many. I'm trying to think. It's not. Is it's not as popular. But when I when I tell you, you'll go. Oh yes, I know that place. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What is it? Inverness. Oh, yes, I have heard of that. Okay. Loch Ness monsters from oh, that area. Yeah. Okay. See, this is I why. I said Nessie, and then you might have. Oh, gotten that. I might have got. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you have to. This is this is exactly why I do this, by the way, because um, I'm learning here too, and uh, yeah, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Okay. And the, the reason I said religion is I learned that um, people who are, um, oh, the the people that come in. The Watchtower people, Mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, There is a large amount of Jehovah's Witnesses who um, who live there because they went there and were not persecuted. So that's what I learned while I was there. Interesting. I love learning new things. By the way, I like geek out over this. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's mine. It's a little bit different. Um, It might be kind of easy. I don't really know. Okay. Our three words are canals, Van Gogh museum, and red light district. Uh, Venice. 
Okay, so it's somewhere in the Netherlands. Oh, it's in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Amsterdam. Yes. Ah, there I've been twice. I actually got pretty lost there. Another story for another time. I've only been in the airport there twice, which is pretty fabulous. Fabulous airport in Amsterdam. Oh. Very high tech. I've not been to the airport. I've only been there by train a couple times. Okay. But, yeah, interesting. Okay. All right. Our next category is things that you might find on a plane. Okay. I will let Sophie go here first. Or something that you might bring on a plane, I should okay. say. I'm going to go first again. Uh, if you want to. All right. Um, leather. Straps. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, small. Hmm. A carry-on? Well, you need to be more specific. Oh, okay. A purse. A backpack? Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. Woo-hoo. I had to get the specific luggage yeah. type right. Although, usually, I have like 8 million things I'm trying to like stuff in the overhead and pretend that it's yeah. like only one. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stuff everything in here and pretend it's like my purse <laughs> in case I get flagged. Right. Um, okay. Here's mine. All right. This is not too hard. Snack, brown, and salt. Peanuts. Um, a little saltier. Oh, salty. and crunchier. Saltier and crunchier than peanuts. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh huh. Hmm. Sesame sticks. Close. Getting there. Sometimes you can eat these in soft form, not in a bag though. And sometimes you dip it in like cheese or mustard if they're soft. Pretzels. Yes. <laughs> There's like, different types of. I should have said like um. I had four all ready to go. I'm like yeah. It's just the too easy. Part gave it away. The dipping part, yes. Well, oh well. I guess you wouldn't bring. I don't know. I've never seen anybody bring a soft pretzel on the plane, but who knows? I'm sure there's a first for everything. <laughs> um, at least my husband. Um, he always gets mad at me for bringing like smelly things on the plane. He's like, you know, nobody wants to smell that, right? I'm like, it's fine. But um, wait till they ask me for some of it, then you won't say that. I know. He's like, he's like, you're that person like bringing tuna on the plane. I'm like, I would bring tuna. Don't worry. It's <laughs> true. Oh, I bring other smelly things. I like a lot of flavor. Okay. All right. Our last one here is things that you might find in an airport. All right. Would you like to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, shiny. Two. And brush. Is it those shoe shiner place? Yes. I thought, okay, so it's so funny. It's so funny. I was actually, I, well, I was going to say that right after you said shiny, but then I was like, I'll just let her go. But I was, that's so funny because I was actually thinking of making that mine. And I was like, mm, I'm going to do something a little different. But yeah, I almost actually did that one. I told you guys that were like pretty like here. I'm going to wear some shoes, shiny shoes, just so I can have somebody do them for me. I always wondered why that exists. They must, it must be like in demand or something. I don't, I always baffle people who are traveling. You know, and have to wear suits and be dressed up, and that's that. Those have been in the airport forever. I know. I always see that. I'm like, who does that? But yeah. I guess yeah, like yeah. people that are trying to be all dressed up. I yeah. guess. Interesting. Yep. All right. Are you ready for mine here? Yes. Okay. Merchandise, no, and taxes. Oh, something in the 
the duty-free shop. Yes, because <laughs> you always see those. In fact, you're always like, I don't know if you've ever seen, but like when you go in an airport like in another country and you're like immediately directed out of security and you have to walk through the duty-free <laughs> shop because they're like, oh, like this is how you get to your terminal. Like it's just Perfume, ridiculous. wine, all yeah. stuff that you, you make yourself think is going to be a real deal. I know. And then I walk in there with like all my luggage. Oh, cheese. Yeah, I walk in there with all my luggage, like trying not to knock things off the shelves. I'm like, oh, well. like to travel light? Uh, I try. I do. I try. I'm working on That's one of my biggest downfalls. I'm really I want to take that backpack that you <laughs> guessed about. That's all I want to bring to Scotland. Yeah. Just because you can buy everything in charity shops. They are mm-hmm. so cheap. In fact, um, I got stopped by security once by customs. And when they opened my um, suitcase, they wondered why I had so few clothes. And I said, well, I've come... I've done this before coming here, and I just buy what I need here. And then when it gets beat up from working on a farm or whatever, I throw it away. That's a really good rule. Of yes, that. yes, that's a good tip. Yeah, very good. I get in trouble for bringing too many snacks because generally I just like eat my own snacks as I travel. So like they always pull out my bag. They actually inspected my beef jerky the last time. They were like, "What's in here?" I'm like, "It's just beef jerky." I swear. <laughs> Do you trade your snacks with the locals, the international locals? I don't think they'd want them. They're probably crumbly and like gross and at the bottom of my bag by then no those are like my like um i don't know my uh what would you call that my stowaways (laughs) go-to snacks yeah so that's what i eat all right sophie well thank you so much for joining us today and sophie as being part of my game gets a 25 25 percent off um purplehead adventures trip if she so decides so yeah thank you all right everyone thank you bye And so as I close with my last interviewee of the season, if you've taken away nothing from my episode today, take away this, and that is that life is everything that you make of it or don't make of it for that matter. It's beautiful, painful, random, wild, adventurous, and perfect for you based on what you make of it. Always remember to roll with life because if you don't, well, it'll just roll away from you. That's about all I could think to say. Don't be that person that was my patient back in the nursing home all those years ago telling me to do it now or don't waste time. Don't be the person that says that you'd wished or you should have done something. Be that person instead that makes your speech therapist session run a half an hour over time because you simply can't talk fast enough to share all your stories. Be that person instead. So until next week, everyone, don't forget to live life on the life side. Absolutely do everything I would or wouldn't do. Eat garlic to clear your nasal passageways. Trust tuk-tuk drivers. Take impromptu trips across the country for Mexican food. Talk to strangers. Use tissues in excess when you have the common cold. Wear crumbly face masks. And most importantly, fall often. But don't forget your knee pads. Stay adventurous, friends. See you next time. Time to go blow my nose. Great. Please stop eating garlic. This is Marie Elena, and you've been listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our journeys today. If you think you'd like to hear more and you want to stay updated on the whereabouts of an accident-prone purple windbreaker, or if you just like to live the life of adventure through your earbuds, or maybe you enjoy restraining having milk coming out of your nose buds every week, 
don't forget to subscribe to my channel. Otherwise, you can check me out on my website at purplehoodadventures.com. Or you can check me out on Facebook slash purplehoodadventures, Instagram, or whatever other 8 million forms of social media you might use. Until then, stay tacky, San Francisco, and remember, life is not a book to be read, but a story to be told. So get out there, and remember, always, hood down and head out.